And welcome back to Coaching with the Bible. I know you're excited as I am. This is episode 129, season 3, episode 20. Portion of the week is the portion known as Titzavah. We get a breakdown of all the intricate and beautiful garments and clothing of the high priest and of the priest family as they worshipped and worked and served in the tabernacle and then later on in the temple in Jerusalem. Welcome back, everyone. Good to hope you I hope you're all doing well. I'm sorry I'm getting ahead of myself here with it. Our topic of the week is on memory and remembering. I want you to think back, if you can, to your earliest memory. This week's episode is going to be a little bit different, more of a coaching session than any sort of a set of principles or strategies. But think back to one of your earliest memories. And I'm not at a, not a psychology session, a coaching session. What's the first earliest memory you have? Close your eyes. If you're driving, don't close your eyes. If you're walking, don't close your eyes. But if you're somewhere and you can sort of have a moment to think back, think back to one of your earliest, to your earliest memory. What is your earliest memory in your life? It's really not when you were born. It's really not when you were one year old, one years old. So when is that first memory? Do you have it? Great. So work it through. Imagine if it's something that happened to you when you're three, four, five. It's actually probably a very happy memory. Maybe it's your first friend. Maybe it's your first day at school. Maybe it's a first toy, some toy that you remember getting. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know, walking down the street with your parent, going to a park. So for me, I think my earliest memory is I'm about three years old. It's the summer. We're at the Beach Club in Brooklyn, New York. And I'm meeting Joe Torrey for the first time. It's like 1978 or something like that. Okay. I have a picture of it, physical picture of it, actually in an album that I have here at home. And the more I thought about it, and the picture actually came up a couple weeks ago here at home, but the more I think about it, I wonder whether or not I actually remember it in terms of experiencing it, or do I remember it more because it, it was a story that was told many times over the course of the years, and I have the pictures to remember it by. So did I actually remember it? as happening? Did I actually experiencing, experience it? Or is it some sort of a remembrance or a memory that's implanted based on the conversations of others, parents, family, friends, things like that? Ask yourself the same question. Is that first memory something that you actually remember experiencing? Or it's a story that you know and therefore, it's, you've imagined it or you have now developed that story in your mind to the degree, but now it's become some sort of an implanted or an imprinted memory on your brain, and you can't tell the difference. The reason I bring up the concepts of memory and remembering this week specifically 
is because not only this week do we read the portion of Titzavet, we also are commanded to read about the Amalekites. So there is a commandment on the weekend before the holiday of Purim to remind ourselves and to remember the story of the tribe of Amalek, the Amalekites, who attacked the people of Israel in the desert after the Exodus and before the revelation at Mount Sinai. It's an actual commandment. Every year we are commanded to remember this event. It's effectively a collective remembrance of an experience that happened to our ancestors all those thousands of years ago. But it's not the only thing we are commanded to remember. We're also commanded on a daily basis to remember having left Egypt. And there are others. There is actually in certain customs and certain communities at the end of daily prayer that they have what are called the six remembrances. Six things that a person should remember every single day. Should utter and say out loud, but remember every single day. So remembering for us, for the people of Israel, is not just a good idea, it's commandment. In fact, some of these remembrances are so important that we've built massive amounts of rituals around remembering them, right? So the leaving, of e- the leaving of Egypt, the Exodus, is commemorated and it's remembered in the acts of the holiday of Passover. We at, sit at the Seder on the first night of Passover and retell the story. It's not only just remembering what happened to them, we take it even a step further. We're retelling our story. It's our story. It happened to me. So I am conjuring up in my mind the memories of leaving Egypt, as hard as that might be, but to bring that back. And the truth is we do that all the time in our own lives. We have memories that exist in our minds that are very powerful and palpable. We can bring them back many times and almost we can feel We can feel that experience again in our minds. That's how strong the memory is. That's how powerful the mind is. So it could be some sort of like post-traumatic stress kind of situation. I have one of those at least. But it could be happy occasions also. The birth of a child, your wedding day, a great victory, landing a job getting out of debt, whatever it may be, right? There are a lot of things that remember the feeling that wash over us, that come with us from that. For me, just I'll mention it briefly, is I have a sort of like a a traumatic memory of an experience when I was 12 years old and I got my fingers caught in a door. I can still feel it. I think I mentioned it once here in this space. Um, Anxieties around certain things. I talked about anxiety probably a couple of years ago. But not only do I remember the event, I can still almost, I can feel it and I can still experience it now. I don't ritualize around it. It's not a happy memory, but it's something that I do remember. And so when we think about memory, 
we think about it in the context of what the Bible is teaching us. The idea here that we're supposed to remember the Amalekites, the story of Purim as it comes up is through the, story, through the descendant, right? Haman is a descendant in tradition of the Amalekite tribe. And so we have this idea constantly and consistently of memory. But it's important to differentiate between memory and history. Those are not the same thing. History are things that happened that we're supposed to learn from. Memory are the things that happened to me that I'm supposed to live through. To quote from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, one of his last books called Morality, smartphones and tablets have developed ever larger memories, while ours and those of our children have become smaller and smaller. Why bother to remember anything if you can look it up in a microsecond on Google or Wikipedia? But this confuses history and memory, which are not the same thing at all. History is an answer to the question, what happened? Memory is an answer to the question, who am I? History is about facts. Memory is about identity. History is about something that happened to someone else, not me. Memory is my story, the past that made me who I am, of whose legacy I am the guardian for the sake of generations yet to come. Without memory, there is no identity. Without identity, we are mere dust on the surface of infinity. It's an extraordinary quote, like so many of his quotes. But the idea here then for us is to consider and think about how we remember things, how we memorialize things in our mind, where they fit, to try to eradicate memories, almost impossible. Yes, there are people who are able to close off certain experiences. But to, to sort of live in a space where there is no past and there's only present and future is to misunderstand how the future actually works, right? The most famous quote about remembering is the quote of Santayana. Those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. That is true. But beyond that is our ability to appreciate the things that we remember, the context within which we remember them, how we share those memories. I was listening this week to a podcast. Uh, it's called The Human Lab. I listen to it pretty regularly. Really, and I mentioned it a couple of times here, really bringing science and cutting-edge science, but just general science and ideas about the human, the human mind, the human being, into a language that is readily understandable by readily understandable by your average person like myself. And so he just actually had on the podcast itself a I think it's a a biologist out, out actually out of Israel who talks about the concept of the concept of epigenetics. I'm not going to go into it too deeply, but the concept of epigenetics is the idea that there are things that actually do pass uh, from generation to generation. The professor's name is Dr. Ovid Rechavi. He is a professor of neurobiology at Tel Aviv University. And he talks about how genes are inherited, but there's also the possibility that some of our memories can be passed through our gene code, through our genetics to the next generation. So something they didn't experience something they didn't go through, something they weren't around for, something they didn't live through, and yet they actually have memory 
to a degree of that experience. It's extraordinary that that's even possible. It is in fact possible and based on his work and his research. So that's how far it goes. It's not just simply something that's a story that you tell that people sort of remember to the degree by which they almost experienced it with you, that they're almost there. That's true. But almost to even further degree, and this is borders on where we're talking about in the religious space or collective memory, the idea of passing that down generation to generation, the stories that we tell, the stories that bind us, the stories that connect us. But for you and for me, when we think about our memory, let's appreciate what we're trying to do here. The idea of our memory and our remembering is not to traumatize us again. It's also not for us to shut them down or close them off. But do we have the ability to, through the course of time and the passage of time and life, and a billion other experiences to sometimes reframe or reimagine or to use a term that I saw quoted in a different article by Rabbi Sachs, which is the idea, just get the term itself, rebiographing, to rebiography the stories that we lived, the experiences that we had. And so much that not only does the past inform the present, and that the future is informed by the present and the past, but as he writes there, that the past can be informed by the future. Let me explain that for a second. In other words, when you connect the dots, to sort of quote from the famous speech of Steve Jobs, when you connect the dots of all the life experiences, good and bad, that have happened that brought you to where you are today, it allows you the space to reinterpret or to re-biography the stories that took place earlier in your life. The context within which Rabbi Sachs brings it up is in the story of Joseph. When Joseph, later in his life, after the passing of his father and his brothers are now there and he is there with them, he has reinterpreted what happened to him in his youth. God sent him to Egypt to establish the land for his family so that when a famine came, he would have already been there. He was a messenger of God. They didn't do it. God did it. At the time when he's 17 and it happens to him, I wonder whether or not he thinks that it's simply God sending him as a servant or as a messenger down to Egypt. By recontextualizing and re-understanding and reinterpreting or rebiographying those memories, so one, it frees us of the shackles of the trauma of some of those things. It allows us to move forward into now. And it also allows us to pick up the positive, if we can say it, in all those memories and all those experiences. Because in our own lives, we are a collection of memories, not just experiences. Most of the things that we actually experience in life, we don't remember. Just take yesterday for an example. How much of yesterday do you actually remember? Certain moments in yesterday you remember, certain experiences that are now sort of passed from short-term memory into longer-term memory. In some cases, they're seared into your mind. But we're not the type of 
most of us are not people who have perfect recall or memory of everything that has ever happened to them. And for a lot of us, doing that would be more painful than forgetting. And so this is how things work. Our ability to read biography, to reinterpret the past based on what happened to us ultimately in the future, allows us to free ourselves of guilt, allows us to not be held back by those experiences, to appreciate that might have been true then, it's not true now. This is an exercise that I have worked on and worked with with leaders uh, in my work in coaching, and it's actually been done to me um, as well, is the idea that that happened then, and it might have been true then, is that actually true now? Why be held back by an experience or even a sequence of experiences that happened to you 5, 10, 15 years ago? Maybe failures or mistakes that you made. Do they inform you today? Yes. Is your future, does your future require you to be held back or held to what was then? No. And so we should allow ourselves, we should allow ourselves the space to breathe, but also the space to reimagine, to reinterpret, to almost on some level, re-experience it with new eyes. I wouldn't say as an exercise here to go back to some sort of traumatic experience that you've had and to try to do that. That is not for me to do. Um, that is not for necessarily you to do by yourself. But it is the idea that when we think about the things that have happened to us and the things that we've experienced, that we do put ourselves through the rigor the exercise of what does it want to teach us? What does it want me to know? What does it do for me today? How does it help me today? How does it orient me for the moment? I'm not held back by it. I'm informed by it. On the happier experiences, I want to feel that again. I want to know that again. I want to have that in my life again. What was that like? What happened around that that allowed that moment to take place? What did that feel like? I'd like to feel that again. And so memory and remembering and not just experience and certainly not just history are a key for us for our own personal growth, are a key for us as we progress into the future and we bring about more beautiful memories and more beautiful experiences and more beautiful moments in our lives. And to finish with a quote, as we always do, this is from Dennis Waitley, a motivational speaker and the author of something called The Psychology of Winning, everything that is past is either a learning experience to grow on, a beautiful memory to reflect on, or a motivating factor to act upon. That is Coaching with the Bible for this week. Those of you celebrating the upcoming week, the holiday of Purim, happy Purim to you. I hope it's joyous. I hope it's fun. Everybody else, I'll see you next week in Coaching with the Bible.